it only took one game for my first prediction to be wrong in this year's postseason. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Look, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who is evidently an Expos fan, who has been a podcaster for well over a decade now, and this is my fifth postseason as being a host here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Where's your team every day? Thanks so much for making us your first listen. And if you listen to us every day, uh, throw us a comment and make sure to let us know that you are an everyday, where it is, an everyday Sully listener. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram. I am your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. You may have noticed if you are one of my thousands of subscribers on YouTube and here wherever your podcatchers are, that uh, we have a little bit of a deluge of episodes today. Uh, I'm dropping an episode for each one of the games that were played. We're covering what happened on Tuesday, and we also have uh, segments involving the hosts of each one of the Lockdown shows. If you are a Rangers fan, by all means, you got to follow Bryce Patrick. If you are a Tampa Bay Rays fan, you've got to follow Luis Sombrano and Kevin Weiss of Lockdown Rays. Bryce Patrick is, of course, the host of Lockdown Rangers. We're going to have every single host of every team that's in the playoffs, whether they're super uh, teams that are expected to maybe win it all, like Atlanta, or teams that may be out of it pretty quickly and never see a home game. Like Miami, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd like to see Miami do well. I mean, I, I'm holding out. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to just bring up one quick thing. This actually has nothing to do with the individual games. I'm going to say it here. I may say it in a later show. Um, in the first year, they had the big playoffs in terms of division series, league championship series, and World Series. The three, three tiers. Uh, Bud Selig, who I've never was a big fan of tried something called the baseball network and he was going to have all the playoff games happen simultaneously. Now this was a decision that was a, a, a business decision. It had nothing to do with fa- how fans consumed games at the time. At the time you consumed them on television and you, you consumed them sometimes through cable television, but mainly through broadcast television in the right in the, uh, the postseason, And, the idea that Bud Selig had is if you have all the games starting at once in prime time, then every baseball fan would be watching prime time baseball. And if you're a Yankee fan, you're going to be watching Yankee Mariner fan. If, Mariner series. If you're a Dodger fan, you're going to watch the Dodgers Reds, et cetera, et cetera. And you were all going to be watching in prime time. How are the TV ratings? They were great. Every eyeball was watching, no matter which game you were watching. The problem was the way the television was set up at the time in 1995. You, they didn't give you the option of watching a game other than the regional game. Do you understand what I mean? Like, if you, like, I was living in New York at the time. I couldn't watch the Red Sox. 
I had to take a train and go to Connecticut because in Connecticut, you could get the Red Sox game. I couldn't watch the Red Sox play living in New York. If you were living in Los Angeles, let's say like right now, I'm a, I'm a native New Englander living in LA County. If, in 1995, if I wanted to watch the Red Sox play and I'm in LA, I couldn't. And it wasn't like multiple channels you can have it on. There was just the network and it was a disaster and everyone hated it. All right. At the time, it was a terrible idea. But now we have all these different methods, streaming methods, this, streaming method, that. And it was on ESPN, where you had ESPN 1, 2, 3, 4, all the different ESPNs that you could have. I believe for the wildcard series, you should do that. You should have all the games going on simultaneously. And with the streaming service, you can flip back and forth and back and forth between all of them. And you have all the games being played, let's say it's 6 p.m. local time. You saw what happened in the Rays game. And, of course, everyone rolls their eyes when they see the fact that the trop was only half full in a playoff game. I'm, I've never been one to jump on attendance. But it was, a, yeah, it was, a, it was an afternoon weekday game in Tampa Bay. And I think you should have all the games starting, you know, start them all uh, uh, 4.30 East Coast time or 4.30 West Coast time, 7.30 East Coast time. That's when you start all the games. So whether you're watching um, uh, Rays Rangers, whether you're watching Marlins Phillies, they're all happening at once and they can check back and forth between them and you could go flip around and you're in and espn could have that be part of the package you go buy this thing it's on it's on the espn app or whatever it is and you can go back and forth between them you know we we like having all exciting games happen at once in the final game of the season have that during this have this during the wild card round i think that would be fun i think it'd be exciting and you know, sometimes you stretch four games out over the whole day. Look at, I love it to a degree. I like having, you know, we were able to put the game on in my classroom for my kids. But at the same time, eh, it starts to get a little bit, it starts to get a little bit crazy. Um, anyway, just briefly about the game that went on between the Rangers and the Rays. Uh, did the Rays know this game counted? It's funny, when they were the Devil Rays from their first year in 1998 until 2007, um, they were awful every single year. And then they changed the name of the Rays and they went to the World Series. And today they put back on their Devil Rays uniforms and boy, they played like the Devil Rays. They made a bunch of errors. Um, they just played sloppy baseball. And it was kind of startling how sloppy they were. It was kind of startling seeing how how the hitters were just, they looked overmatched. And, and and look at, I am not going to take anything away from, you know, the Texas Rangers. I'm not going to take anything away. Um, why, why am I always, like, there's certain players whose names always trip me up, and I can't explain why, and, and I don't know why. Jordan Montgomery is one of those names that I want to call him, Mon I, I want to say Montgomery as his first name. So I almost called him Montgomery Clift. Okay. It's a, and, and, and so I keep, I say Montgomery and, and I, or is it Bob Montgomery? Is it general Montgomery? No, it's Jordan Montgomery. 
and he was terrific. He pitched like an eighth, seven solid innings, seven shutout innings. Uh, the Rays didn't score a run. Remember, they didn't score a run in last year's walk-off game against Cleveland, which was an extra inning game. They only scored one run in the postseason in 2022. They scored no runs this time. I'm just saying. I'm just saying their offense did not look good. Their defense did not look good. They didn't look like they were ready to play. And that puts to bed a stupid narrative that actually was out there that, that that writers and reporters had said that you know the the rangers celebrated too hard when they went when they won uh, a playoff series and they were flat on the final day of the season when they had a chance to clinch the division and maybe that put them in a position where now they had to go to Tampa Bay and you know that that was a bad sign for them um they're doing okay. They're doing okay. Now, I, I I still think Tampa is, I think Tampa's got to wake up, but they're going to play another, you know, the first game out. And Nathan Uvalde, who has playoff experience, is going to be taking them out. Suddenly, the Rangers are in a terrific position. They are in an absolute, ter- they have nothing to lose tomorrow. And by how tight the Rays look like they're playing, I'm stunned by how badly the Rays played. I really am. I And the first prediction I made was that the Texas Rangers were going to be two and out. First game played, the Rangers won. One of my predictions is completely t- done. And uh, quite frankly, Rangers just looked better that first game. Let's see if the Rays can dust themselves off and move on. Now, we're going to go to commercial right now. When we come back, uh, Kevin Weiss and Ulysses Sombrano of Locked On Rays are going to stop by and give their thoughts on the team. And this was recorded before the game. So maybe their optimism is a little high. But do you know what? All they got to do is win tomorrow and everyone's back on their feet in Tampa. Let's hear from Ulysses and Kevin from Locked on Rays. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sombrano. And we're the host of the Locked on Rays podcast. And thankfully, the Rays are in the playoffs for a fifth consecutive time and ninth time in the last 16 years. An amazing run an amazing stretch that they've been on. Hopefully they can make it to the big one and win the big one that has been fleeting for them so far. So without further ado, we've got a seven pack of questions uh, to dive into this first one. Ulysses, what were the expectations for your team heading into the season versus the expectations of your team heading into the playoffs? Seeing as fans, in, in, including in, in this podcast, we were saying that this could possibly be the best rotation that this franchise has ever seen. And then suddenly uh, 60% of that going to uh, Tommy John. Uh, yeah, the expectations before the season were pretty lofty. Uh, a, a 90-plus win team that could possibly go into the ALCS and the World Series. Uh, and now with all of the injuries that they've encountered, maybe there's a little bit less of um, certainty and a little bit more of hope. And obviously as fans, we would like to see this team go deep into the playoffs. Me personally, I think uh, you need to stop doing the, the getting into the playoffs and done. Hopefully this team can go through the Rangers, 
meet the Orioles, beat the Rangers, uh, beat the Orioles, and then get into the ALCS. I think then that then you will meet expectations for the fan base. Yeah, and despite this team being without stars, i.e. Shane McClanahan, Wander Franco, and others, they seem to have a little something special on their side. They've certainly overcome adversity to this point. Yeah. Uh, which batters are coming into the playoffs hot at the plate, Kevin? Well, Yandy Diaz, he's been hot all season long, and he's been hot lately, of course. He is the winner of the American League batting title. But Manny Margot, since mid-September, has been really, really strong. He's had four multi-hit games since mid-September. He's had a three-hit game mixed in there and two four-hit games mixed in there as well. I'll also note this. Renee Pinto has five home runs in his last 19 games. Great to see Renee Pinto give some pop from the behind the dish. I would add Harold Ramirez, a uh, Colombian native, uh, slashing 417, 442, and 604 uh, this last 15 games that he's played. He has been terrific all season. And let's not forget, out of every MLB hitter with 150 at-bats or more, he has the highest batting average against left-handed pitching we can also throw in josh Lowe. man that's a good thing when you've got a lot of hitters <laughs> that are hot at the right yeah. time in mid late september going into october uh explain the depth of your team's starting rotation well a lot of them are on the il like we explained earlier but you could see a a the first three names you're going to see tyler glass now then you're going to see zach eflin and and Aaron Savali. After that, you've got uh, Zach Littell, who has been terrific uh, just stepping into that role from the bullpen and going into the starting rotation. You've got young phenom Tosh Bradley, who has not had the best results as of late uh, in this season, but he the stuff is there, and you can see the talent is there. Um, so that those two guys could possibly see some some innings during the playoffs, maybe not a start, but maybe from the bullpen that they, they could provide that. Yeah. The Rays certainly have a very reliable one and two in Shane or uh, well, I got to look <laughs> back a little bit. I'm, I'm thinking too much about Shane McClanahan, obviously no Shane McClanahan, no duress Muslin and no Jeffrey Springs, but glass now and Eflin, you can be really confident and satisfied with that group. Aaron Savali, a familiar name with playoff experience, solid pitcher, but he's had ups and downs in a Rays uniform. And, um, you, you mentioned it, Zach Littell, he's really been a, a, a saving grace, a guy who was a really a, a failed starter, a discarded reliever, and now the Rays find a way to make him productive and influential in the Rays rotation. And um, really the idea hopefully is, uh, you know, with the, the one, two, three, that the Rays can take a, a solid advantage in any particular series. But there certainly are some question marks as you get deeper into the rotation that is for Tampa Bay. Why is your team's bullpen good enough to win the World Series, Kevin? Well, we probably wouldn't have said that a couple months ago, but now they, if you look at all the metrics and all the numbers, they do stack up as one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. Uh, we know about Pete Fairbanks, but there's other guys that you need to familiar familiarize yourself with, uh, i.e. Bob Stevenson and uh, Sean Armstrong, Colin Pochet, uh, among others. But um, this team, or this uh, this bullpen rather, has lately found a way to induce more strikeouts, induce more swing and miss, throw the ball in the zone more, get more chase. I mean, it's all been 
working. And I think a byproduct of that is, you know, you have so many cast offs that are uh, being acquired into the organization. It, it, it takes some time to drink the Kool-Aid and learn the techniques and, and take the advice and be able to uh, utilize that advice and, and display it uh, and exemplify it on the field. So I think we're starting to see the, the messaging click and the tips click and the pitch mix click for these guys. Yeah, and two names, Jake Diekman and Robert Stevenson. Those are the most Raisian uh, turnovers for 2023 where – you know, it's it's usually like, oh, why are the Rays uh, going after Jake Diekman, who has been awful this season with the White Sox? Why are the Rays picking a random guy, Robert Stevenson, from the Pittsburgh Pirates? And it's because they can see something in these guys that they can tap into, and they really have. And now they've solidified the bullpen ever since those two names have come on board. And it'll be fun to see what kind of situations they can get in. What is your team's biggest strength? They can do it all. They can take you out of the ballpark with home runs, which, by the way, they 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 have now instituted a new franchise record in home runs in 2023 uh, after 26 seasons. That's awesome to see. But they can also steal a lot, a lot of bags. So they've got dynamic players. And you think of dynamic players that can do both the power and speed combination. You've got Randy Rosarena, a guy who's been a 2020 guy for three years in a row. Josh Lowe in his first full season. He is that kind of guy. If Luke Rayleigh is available, he is that kind of guy. There's a lot to like about this dynamic uh, team that they can do both the speed and power combination. Yeah, certainly the scoring runs and the hitting of home runs. You can also add the versatility of this group, the energy of this group, the teamwork of this group. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the ability to overcome adversity. Um, these guys like each other, and I think that they've got something special going on for themselves as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how they go forward in the playoffs with a lot of young players on the roster as well. Looking a little bit more into the negative, Kevin, what about your team are you worried about in the playoffs? Well, um, like I mentioned, the the back end of the rotation, and hopefully that doesn't lend itself to giving up a lot of runs and then maybe overtaxing the bullpen as you get late into the playoffs. And while I think it's a strength in having a lot of young, energetic guys, it can also be a weakness in the sense of, um, there's a lot of rookies on this roster that have yet to taste or don't have much taste of playoff experience. I completely agree with you. I think that plus have the, have the, have they seen too many injuries? Is Luke Rayleigh going to be playing? Is Jose Siri going to be playing guys that have not seen major league at bat since early September, mid September rather. Um, if they are missing from the roster, who is coming up uh, that is not going to provide as much as they are? How far in the postseason will your team go? This is the big question. <laughs> well, obviously, we want this team to go all the way and win the World Series. I think personally, I would be uh, not happy, obviously, but I think I would understand an ALCS run. I think if you get into the ALCS and, and go deep, that that's a, a, a step in the right direction. Uh, you got to get above the wild card. You got to get above the ALDS. Uh, if you get into the ALCS, it's a good step. But honestly, with this talent that this team has, you could go to the World Series. And not only could you go to the World Series, you could actually win it. Yeah, it's uh, 
too many times you, hey, you're a team that wins 99 games. I would fully expect your team to make it to the, uh, the, the, the ALCS or the NLCS, whatever it may be. But um, again, a lot of young players, a lot of injuries. It might be a case of um, you get as far as you can this year. You lick your wounds and see what you can do in 2024 and beyond. Um, obviously, we know the the playoffs can be a crapshoot. I just have this weird sneaking suspicion um, that the race can get through the uh, ALDS. But um, it, I, I just, for some reason, see... Astros versus Dodgers, Astros versus Braves, something along that ilk. Especially with Justin Verlander back in the fold. Um, all right, uh, there it is. Hope you all enjoyed. Be sure to check out the Locked On Rays podcast Monday through Friday. And maybe we'll see the Rays playing a National League team in late October. Rays up. Well, look, if they got one thing, certainly right. Their bullpen was really good. Their bullpen combined for four shutout innings. But this is a team that had World Series or bust written all over it all year long. And now, quite frankly, they're in real danger of being two and out. But no one is more thrilled about that than Bryce Patrick, who we'll hear from when we come back. Here is the always cheerful Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers. At the beginning of the season, I felt like I was on the optimistic side of Rangers fans, projecting them for 85 wins and just sneaking into that final wild card spot. Now the end of the season with 90 wins with the second wild card spot and a tiebreaker away from winning the AL West, basically way better than pretty much anybody expected this team to do. Coming into this postseason, the Rangers have a couple of hot bats. They have the best offense in the American League, but right now it is being led by Marcus Simeon and Adoles Garcia. Marcus Simeon, the entire month of September and one game in October, he's got 29 games in that span. He's got 940 OPS and nine home runs, by far the most he's had in any single month. He has been a slugging machine, and Adoles Garcia in the last couple weeks has really really turned it on. In 13 games during that span, he's got five home runs and an OPS of 1,059 over the last 14 days. He's been huge for the Rangers all season. Him coming back off of injury was massive for this team. He went down with an injury in that final series against Houston Astros, and he was out for a couple weeks. The Rangers thought he might be done for the season. He came back. He got hot. He started having great at-bats, and he has helped carry this team across the finish line. He and Marcus Simeon have been huge for the Rangers down the stretch. I mean, you could say Corey Seager is hot. I mean, he's not particularly, but for how he's done this season, I mean, you have a couple of over three days in a row, and that's a cold streak because Corey Seager has been one of the best hitters in the entirety of Major League Baseball this season. This offense, is, it, it goes in peaks and valleys, but you look at basically every single number, and this Rangers offense is leading in that category in the American League. You want to look at batting average, on base, slugging percentage, home runs. I mean, they just do everything incredibly well 
from top to bottom. It is not just the Corey Seagers. It is not just the Marcus Simeons. There's also Evan Carter in the nine hole who's come up and played 23 games and has an OPS over 1,000, hitting over 305 home runs in that span for a guy who wasn't really projected to hit for all that much power. I mean, this Rangers offense is incredibly good. Now, the depth of their starting rotation, that is where there are some questions in play. The top two are as good as just about anybody's top two in baseball. You have Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Eovaldi. Montgomery was a deadline acquisition, and he has been everything the Rangers could have hoped for and then some this year for the Rangers in a rotation that was full with a lot of guys with a lot of potential and a lot of guys with a lot of injury history. I mean, you start with Jacob deGrom, who pitched six games for the Texas Rangers and looked amazing in those games, and then had Tommy John surgery. And they also had... Max Scherzer, who was a huge trade deadline acquisition and was fantastic for the Rangers, but he is probably done for the year. Maybe he's not. Nathan Eovaldi was the leader of the staff until he got hurt in early in early in the second half, and he came back and didn't really look like his full self. In his last start, he had his velocity back, which was a good sign, but he was still knocked around by the Seattle Mariners. So if Nathan Eovaldi is anywhere close to the first half version of himself that was the all-star starter and was one of the best pitchers in the entirety of baseball for the first half of the season, if he's anywhere close to that, the Rangers have as good a one-two punch, nay, a better one-two punch than literally anybody. You got Dane Dunning, who might make a playoff start for the Rangers and the depth behind him. John Gray is on the IL, at least through probably the ALDS. The Rangers won't be able to use him on their staff. They could have really used him in this short series, but it'll be Andrew Heaney or Martin Perez taking the mound for them. And those guys have been fine. Heaney had a great game on Saturday to clinch a playoff spot for the Texas Rangers. Martin Perez came up pretty big in his few innings of work on Sunday in the final game of the season. And Dunning pitching on short rest also did pretty darn well. Dunning has been the key contributor to this staff. It is going to be short rest if he pitches in game three. We'll see if the Rangers do that. Who knows? Um, But the starting pitching staff has a lot of options, a lot of great options at the top. But anywhere in between, if Max Scherzer comes back, which the Rangers have no idea, he was projected to be out for the entire season, he's rehabbing, but there is no timeline for his return. He could return tomorrow, he could return um, in the World Series, or he could be actually done for the season. The Rangers don't know, Max Scherzer doesn't know, but if he comes back, that is a huge, huge boost of a top three of Max Scherzer, Nathan Eovaldi, and Jordan Montgomery. That's That's an incredible top three. Now, why is this team's bullpen good enough to win the World Series? If I would have said yes, even two weeks ago, I would have been absolutely just jailed, jailed tremendously by Rangers fans. But the good thing about bullpens is the bad thing about bullpens is that they're volatile. And the Rangers bullpen was horrendous. It truly historically terrible all season long. And it seems like maybe in the last week, maybe two weeks, this range of bullpen is starting to figure it out. Jose Leclerc is going to be the closer. He has earned that role. His fastball velocity is way back. He looks like the top best version of himself. Josh Spores is back off the IL, and he's looked great in his couple of stints. Jonathan Hernandez looks like he's coming into his own, and Earl's Chapman, if he's not pitching on back-to-back days, has actually looked pretty good, but do I trust him in the big moments to not give up some massive home run in the playoffs like he's given up massive home runs down the stretch? I don't necessarily think so. Um, but again, bullpens are finicky. Everyone's bullpen is finicky. Even the good ones uh, are, you know, what, two 
bad pitches away from blowing a game and therefore blowing a series and going from looking like an amazing bullpen to a terrible bullpen. So the Rangers have guys who can do it, who have good stuff. LeClerc is feeling pretty trustworthy right there. And if Josh Spores and Jonathan Hernandez can be um, serviceable and if they even put Will Smith on the playoff roster, which is a question mark, it, it seems like uh, he's done it in big situations before. Do I trust him to do it now? I don't know that I do, but hey, anything can happen because the playoffs are always incredibly buck wild. Now, this team's greatest strength is obviously its offense. I've talked about it before, but Corey Seager finished the year as a seven more player despite missing 43 games. He had a 1,013 OPS, nearly won the batting title. If his opponent didn't sit on the final day of the season, then maybe Corey Seager would have still walked away with the batting title, but still hitting 327 with a 390 on base and 33 home runs in just 119 games. That 33 home runs ties his career high. Adoles Garcia had 39 home runs. Mitch Garver was incredible for this lineup, 870 OPS and 19 home runs in just 87 games played. I mean, the depth is truly astonishing. Five all-star hitters, and that's not even including the young Evan Carter, like I said earlier, and Leo Tavares, who's been very, very good, and Nathaniel Lowe, who at times can be as hot as anybody, and he's going to have a lot to prove against his younger brother in that wild card series. But what am I wor- most worried about this team in the playoffs? Pitching. Like I said, starting pitching, if it can hold up, if the bullpen can prove that this last two-week stretch isn't just a fluke and that they are actually major leaguers, that it terrifies me to this day. And the lineup at times in crucial moments, like in game 162, has shown the propensity to sometimes lay an egg, as all offenses do. So I'm kind of scared about everything at this point, but also confident in everything. That's just playoff baseball. But how far is this team going to go? Well, it could lose in the wildcard series and lose both games. It, it It's very possible. But also this team could win it all. Like, they really could. They were one of the best teams in baseball for basically the entirety of this season and just faltered at the wrong time with injuries befalling them at the exact wrong time when they were playing the biggest games uh, against their division rivals and faltering. It was incredibly frustrating, but hey, I'm going to split the difference and say this team goes to the ALCS where they lose to a red hot twins team. I don't know, but hey, anything is possible with this team. If they make it past the wild card round, that's a great year. Still, no matter what happens, it's a pretty great year given where the expectations were at the beginning of the season. Not great compared to where the expectations were two months ago, but hey, hindsight is twenty twenty. That's really trying to see the glasses half full there. And hey, Bryce, uh, they won first game. And who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe they will face off with the Twins in the ALCS. They both won today. So, hey, check out Locked On Rangers with the great Bryce Patrick. Check out Locked On uh, Rays with Kevin Weiss and Ulysses Sombrano. Thanks so much for contributing to today's show. Follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Well, covering all four of the games that took place on Tuesday and all eight of the participants. This has been Locked On MLB. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.